we act differently, we live differently, we behave differently. Our lifestyle is different because the Spirit of God dwells in us. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Right? Behold, all things, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. I'm glad he makes all things new. But because the flesh is still alive, how many are aware that your flesh is alive? How many know it's alive right now because you want to go to sleep? Because that amino acid in the turkey, that L-tryptophan, is, is, is kicking in gear. And the eyes are getting heavy and it's like, you know, at 2 o'clock, well, I'm usually sleeping right now. And uh, yeah, we are well aware of our flesh. We are well aware that it is still intact. And uh, if you want a little, a little help and a little victory, I, I kind of was thinking about this the other day. And... Um, um, you know, you know, the flesh, you know, we all have the same flesh, right? It's, 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 um, the, let me say it this way. You ever hear some politician get into trouble, right? And then they have to go make some public statement because they just really did something dumb and they go, well, that's not who I am. And I'm going to go to rehab now for some time, but that really, that wasn't who I really am. You know, as a child of God, we can really say about our flesh, that's not who we are. We've been delivered, we've been, listen, how do I know, how do I know that's not who I am? Because our flesh all does the same thing. It's not like mine, it's not like, oh, I know we all have our own different things that, that affect us more than other people do, but it's all the same thing. Listen, we all have the same flesh, and we all struggle with the same flesh, and uh, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are not defined by that anymore. You're defined by the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm thankful for that tonight. And so, because of the struggle, Paul, of course, gives us a picture of what it looks like to live in the flesh, like we ought not to, but we do at times, and then what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. And he gives us uh, things that we can, we can wash both between the two of those. And if believe it or not, really... I, I'm leading us to a direction here where Paul ties it all together on the subject of thankfulness. Like, where on earth? We'll watch our text here, all right? First of all, we know what the marks of the flesh are. In chapter, one, uh, chapter 5 of verse 1, we are told to be followers of God as dear children. Follow God like we would follow somebody who is our favorite, right? Somebody who is esteemed, somebody who we love, somebody who we are enamored with, somebody who we are in awe of, somebody who we want to emulate, right? We are to follow God like we would follow somebody like that, right? What if you knew, I mean, just think of the other side of that. What if you knew... God loved you unconditionally. He does. Some people, don't, some people really struggle with that. God loves you unconditionally. Even though I just said this, yes. Even though I just did this, yes. Even though I'm thinking about this, yes. He loves you unconditionally. And He loves you so much unconditionally, when we do, do do those things in the flesh, discipline comes and chastening comes, right? Because He's a loving Father. He loves you unconditionally. Uh, what, what would you think, what if you knew that 
uh, in, you know, think of your, think of an earthly father. What would you, what would you, how would you view an earthly father if you knew he loved you unconditionally? If you knew when the phone, when, when you called on the phone, he would always uh, pick up. What would you do? How would your relationship with your earthly father be if you knew that he always, always loved to hear from you? That he always wanted you to stay longer? That he was always ready to give you advice? That he was always ready to supply needs? That he would listen to you for hours? and hours on end when you needed him. What do you think of an earthly father like that? I know that's not a reality in a lot of ways, right? Some of that it might be, and that's a, that's a blessing, and thank God for that. But if this is what defined your earthly father, wouldn't it be easy to do whatever he asked you to do? Wouldn't it be easy if he came along and said, hey, I need you to do this? Well, sure, right? Why? Because you knew what he felt for you. Can I tell you, our heavenly father is this and so much more. He's so much more. Every child of God, listen, you can be assured tonight, you can be assured tonight that God loves you like he's your favorite. That he's his, that you're his favorite, right? That he, that you are his favorite. There we go. Yeah, he loves you. He loves you that way. And God says, follow God like you would if you knew that he was, you were his favorite. Follow him as a dear child. Follow him that way. Verse 2, he told us to walk in love. We looked at that a couple weeks ago, right? Because God, Why? Because Jesus loved us so much. And he offered himself to pay for our sins. Follow him that way. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15, listen to this. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. See, watch, he said, the love of Christ constraineth us. It is not our love for Christ that, that constrains us to follow God. It's his love for us when we understand the gravity and the magnitude and the, and the, the, the bigness of God's love for us. It should cause us to follow him, to walk in love. And so these are, we're coming up here to verse 3. In chapter 6, we're told to follow God. We're told to walk in love. But then we're given here, in verse 3, some manifestations of a child of God who's not following Him. Manifestations of one of God's children who is walking in the flesh. Who would, who would be brave enough to raise your hand and say, There are times in my life I have not walked in, walked in the Spirit, but I have walked in the flesh. Yep. Yeah, okay, a couple, a couple are brave enough to do that. Yeah, it's a fact. It is a fact. No, look, at this, look at this list here, beginning here in verse 3. But fornication, what is that? Any type of sexual relationship between unmarried people, or by, by unmarried people and between unmarried people. You could define that further. I'll, that's all I'm going to go, because you can spend a lot of time on that. Uncleanness. What are that? Just impure motives. I don't remember if it was Tory or who it was wrote a little essay on the all importance of motive. Oh, talk about convicting little essay. You know, why do you come to church? Well, I'm asking you. Why do you? You don't know it. You have to answer me out loud. Why do you come? Why? Yeah, right. Amen. Why, why, do you, why do you do anything for God? Why do, why do we do anything at all? Why do we pray? Why do we get up in the morning and pull our Bible out? What's our motive? What's our motive behind that? 
right? Uncleanness. These are impure motives. Of course, this is more dealing uh, more in a, I believe, in a sexual sense of uncleanness. But motives, covetousness, greedy for desire or a desire for more, right? No, that's walking in the flesh. When we're greedy, when we're covetousness, uh, filthiness, that's just obscenity. Can I tell you some obscenities should never exit the mouth of a believer. No, obscene topics. Topics about, about, uh, about uh, ungodly living and just joking about, about things like that. Uh, oh, there's something. You are walking in the flesh. You are walking contrary to the Spirit of God. If that is some of your... Uh, 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 joking and teasing is just filthiness. Absolutely should not be a part of it. Fil- foolish talking, that is, the foolish talking is silly or vain. Uh-oh. Trifling, right? To talk or act without seriousness, right? There's a fine line between foolish talking and just having a good time, right? There, there can be a really fine line. We can cross over that line sometimes, can't we, right? I was, I was, uh, it kind of marks the last few generations, I believe. It really does. You know, I was, my wife and I have talked about this before and, and about the way our parents and grandparents grew up and the way they lived and some of your parents and grandparents you remember. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember my grandparents or my parents really with a lack of seriousness. Life was serious, right? There, 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 there's a fine line. I, there's some friends of ours, and their, their, their kids were out playing with some other kids during a church thing, and they were running around and, and, and just really having a good time. And the, and the father called one of them over, and he said, come here. And he came over, you know, he's like, uh-oh, he knew. His, he, was, he said, now you're being foolish. Stop being foolish. You're not playing anymore. You're being foolish. Boy, there's a fine line there. I think, what a wonderful thing to teach a child. There's a difference between enjoying yourself and getting into foolishness, right? And just silliness and things that are beyond the, the pale of, of, of anything there. It's, you know, our, our parents, our grandparents, I mean, they were serious. Life was serious, right? There, there was not a lot of frivolity to life. There was not a lot of, uh, people say, you know, what, what did your grandparents do for vacation? Well, they went to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. No, I'm serious. They worked and they went to church. That was their day off. I mean, I remember one time I wanted to take the tractor out on a Sunday afternoon, bored out of my mind, right? Just pacing through the farm, you know. I walked in the house. Paul, can I take the tractor out? No. I was like, whoa. I thought I'd murdered somebody. Eh? My grandmother said, it's Sunday. It's like, yes. Well, I tell you what, we're missing that, aren't we? We need, we need some more of that back, absolutely. Yeah. No, it was serious. Life was a struggle, right? It was a matter of survival. You did, you did not hear a bunch of silly, vain babbling. They didn't have time for that. It's a good lesson for us, good lesson for me. Jesting, which is joking or humor in, to, to, uh, to an excess, right? Now watch what's next, though. Watch this. But rather... But rather giving of thanks. You see that in the end of verse verse four? But rather giving of thanks. Did you catch that? These life patterns remaining in the life of a believer can be connected to a life of unthankfulness. That's interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Why, why, does, why is that possible? 
Well, just think of fornication. If you are thankful for your current position, whether you are single or married, if you are thankful for where you were in life, you wouldn't commit fornication. It's, con- I mean, it's connected. Covetousness. If you were thankful for the things that you had, you wouldn't be covetous. Because when you're thankful, you're not looking for something else all the time. Right? You see where this is, right? Filthiness, uncleanness, foolish talking. All of it is a product of somebody who is unthankful. Why? Why? Because the one who gave himself for us says, don't do this. He, he says, hey, he, he says, uh, um, um, oh, over, over, in, uh, over in, I think it's over in Hebrews, uh, where he says, uh, um, um, be thankful for such things as, as you have, right? And it goes on to say, for I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So watch, trust, tr- you know, uh, uh, our insecurity of our salvation, right? Our insecurity of our position with Christ is connected to trust. And connected to, um, uh, be, when he said, be content with such things as you, that's how it started. Be content with such things as you have. For I have, said, I have told you, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Covetousness is connected, is connected to our, our security and our, and our trust in him. Right? And this is our list here. Living in the flesh, living a life in the flesh. And he says, but rather than all of these things, rather than all of these things, live a life of giving thanks. Right? You see, thankful children of God don't live in fornication. Thankful children of God live with pure motives. Thankful children of God don't live in covetousness. Thankful children of God don't live in obscenity. Thankful children of God don't live a life of just foolish talking. You know, right? They, if they're serious, you think, well, what's wrong? Boy, this isn't right. This is weird. <laughs> yeah. Thankful children. Thankful children. They don't live a life of constant joking where they never have a time for seriousness. These are marks of a believer living in the flesh. It's not a mark of a thankful life. Now notice in verse 8. We saw this a couple weeks ago. For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Not in darkness, not in light, but ye were darkness, and now ye are light. Ye are, this is who you are, right? This is exactly who you are. These are the marks of the flesh. Look at verse 12. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I'll tell you, this would stop... A lot of our conversation nowadays, wouldn't it? We wouldn't have much to talk about. I mean, it just kind of walk around. Going, well, I don't know what to talk about. Why? Because we live in a filthy world, right? There's some things that are going on in people's lives, right? You know they're living in sin. What is this saying? We probably just not even talk about it. We should probably just leave it alone. Why? Because it says here it's a shame to do that. It's a shame to do it. These are marks of the flesh. Now, secondly, I want to show you this. Marks of the Spirit. Marks, the mark of walking, what it looks like in an individual life when you're walking in the Spirit, what it looks like in everyday life. Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. 
So you have a compare and contrast there. You don't want to walk as the foolish person, right? You want to walk in wisdom. You walk in wisdom. So how do you walk in wisdom? Well, you walk circumspectly. Listen, travel through life as you would traveling through the kitchen where you just broke a glass in your bare feet. I got to add that. What would you do? You would wa- if you had to get from one end of the kitchen to the other, all right, and you broke a glass right in the middle and you had to get back to get the broom, friend, you're going to watch on the floor everywhere you put your foot. You're going to step here, then you'll step there. What is that? That's walking circumspectly. That's how we're supposed to live our life. That's how we, listen, that's how you live your life when you turn the TV on, Right? If you're going to do that. That's how you live your life if you're going to turn the internet on. That's how you live your life when you pick up your phone. That's how you live your life when you're, when you're at the job site and conversations are going on. That's how you live your life when, you know, things are going on here and there. Listen, you walk. This is a wise way to live. You walk circumspectly. You, you see the danger, right, that's ahead and you go, oh, better step over there, not here. Oh, no, I'll step there, not here. Oh, this conversation's going on at the break room. I'll go over here. Oh, oh, th- this is going on. I'm, you're right. Oh, that commercial, I'll go there. Oh, this show, I'm going over here. Right? You see what I, this is? This is walking in wisdom. This, if, if we don't walk that way, listen, the Bible says you're walking like a fool. Yeah. Why? Because you know the danger. Yeah. The Bible says is the fool, right? The fool is, is, is like the dog who returns to his vomit. You just keep doing it over and over and over. You ever seen a dog go to clean it up? And you're like, oh, well, where'd that go? And he's licking his chops. <laughs> Come on. It's gross. You know what God said? That's what a fool looks like. Yeah. Walk circumspectly, verse 15. Verse 16, redeeming the time. How do you buy back time? Watch this. The world is living to themselves. When you come to Christ, how do you redeem time? Well, you live it for God now. You take it back and you live it not for yourself or for the world. Now you're going to take the only time that we have. The, The most expensive commodity on the planet is time. And we have the opportunity as a child of God to redeem that back and live it for God instead of ourselves. We're told to do this. Redeem the time. Now notice... Here, uh, verse, uh, uh, walk circumspectly, verse 15. Uh, Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil, right? And then look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the context of this passage is not about what is permissible with alcohol. This is a proof text right in the middle, out of, out of context, right? And uh, the, the people go to it and they say, see, the, the, it's, it's talking about not being drunk. And yes, there is that element here. But what is it doing? Well, we're seeing a compare and contrast. What, what, what is God doing? He's comparing, right? We know what a drunk is, right? Who, who has too much alcohol, right? Their brain's gone. They're totally controlled by what? The alcohol. Isn't it amazing? It's called spirits. Because it controls you. Yeah. Well, what, what is, should a Christian be controlled by spirits? No. We should be controlled by the Spirit of God. 
And I'll tell you what, when you get controlled by spirits, you will not be controlled by the Spirit of God. No, it's not, he can't. You're, not, you're out of your mind. So it's not talking about this. Watch this. The compare and contrast here is, <clears throat> is you, you should be so filled with the Spirit. Let me say it this way. You should be as drunk with the Spirit as the world is drunk with alcohol. What does that mean? So completely controlled by God that you'd be called a spiritual drunk. That's the only drunk we're allowed to be. There you go. You can be a spiritual drunk. How do you like that? And somebody asks you, work, you ever been drunk? Oh, I try every day. <laughs> Boy, I get a conversation. I, 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 I thought you went to church. <laughs> Different spirit. Different spirit. Amen. Yeah. Be controlled by the spirit, the spirit of God. Yeah. Now, look at verse 19. We're going to see the evidence of a spirit-filled life. What does it look like? Kind of ties in with this morning a little bit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This is the evidence of a spirit-filled life. What? A song. A song in the heart. A song coming off the lips. And I like how it says here, in the heart, right? I mean, I, I do know this. If it's, if it's in the heart, it'll eventually come out of the mouth a lot of times. But, but it, listen, it's a wonderful thing. If it's, it has to start here. You no, know, some people sing. You ever hear some people sing gospel songs and it grates on you? You just wish they would stop? And it's not because of their voice. It's because of their life testimony. Because it is not from the heart. They're just singing. And it's like, yeah, I wish you'd stop. Right? Yeah. No, it's in the, it starts in the heart. It's filled, listen, a spirit-filled believer sings. They have a song in their heart. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. Uh, who is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee. This is speaking of God. He will joy over thee with singing. Hey, God sings about you. Don't you think you ought to sing about him? He is the, listen, he is that in love with us. He is that enraptured with us that he just can't help but sing about us. And I think that ought to be said of us as well. We're so in love with him, we just can't help but sing about him. Hey, the world has their songs. They sing about this wife and that wife and this wife and that wife and this dog and that truck and this car and this. I mean, they're singing about all sorts of things they love, right? And we just zip our mouth. Uh-uh. You know, it starts in the heart. Sing. Sing. Can I tell you this? Defeated people don't sing. Over in the Old Testament, it said we, we laid our harps by the river in Babylon and by the waters of Babylon. Why? They, the, their song was gone. They'd been so defeated. There's nothing more sad than a Christian who's lost their song because of sin. It's an awful thing to be. Yeah. Spirit-filled believer sings songs. Let me show you this. Sing songs that God would sing. Obviously, God sings over us. What do you think God sings? Well, let me say this. Let me say it this way. Oh, let me, let, me, let me try to word it this way. I don't even know how to word it. Yeah. I know this. God wouldn't sing about us using a worldly song. Why? He's way more holy than that. Yeah. He, would, he wouldn't sing some love song about us, you know, uh, you know written, written by the Beatles or something. 
I'm sure God's not, oh, that was good. That's, that's a pretty good riff right there. Well, I like that. That's good. I'm going to sing that. Oh, no, he's holy. He's holy. Notice the songs that we are to sing. Notice a song that's filled with, a person who's filled with the Spirit. Look what they sing. Psalms. Psalms. It's the Word of God set to music. Psalms. Hymns. Sacred songs that are for God alone. God alone. Sanctified. Set apart. No, you know this piano, sanctified. We have sanctified that. It is only for, it's for God alone. This instrument is sanctified. This, we call this, 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 uh, this auditorium, we call it a sanctuary. I think that's a good word. Why? We have set it apart. We have sanctified it and set it apart for one thing alone and for Him and not for anything else. Absolutely. And listen, hymns are sacred songs that are, set, that are for God. Spiritual songs, watch this, rather than fleshly songs, uh, it's produced by one who is walking in the Spirit. You, you see, if your life is overly full of the world's music, and if it's, overly, if it's on your heart all the time, listen, you are not walking in the Spirit. You're walking in the flesh. You're walking in the flesh. Notice this also, spirit-filled believer walks in submission. Would you see this? Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, in the, in the weeks to come, we'll get into what this looks like here in the rest of the chapter of the, the chain of command of submission within the home. We'll look at that. Very important today. That's, boy, that's, a, that's turned upside down today, right? And... Uh, but a spirit-filled believer walks in submission one to another, right? Husbands to Christ, wives to their husband, children to their parents. What is, and watch this, what is submission is an attitude. It's an attitude. It starts, uh, just like your song, man, it starts in the heart. It starts right here. And uh, so Paul here gave us the manifestation of a child of God living in the flesh and the manifestation of a child of God living in the Spirit. Now notice this here, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A Spirit-filled believer is thankful. Somebody who is indwelt by the Spirit of God lives in an attitude of thankfulness. You ever hold the door for somebody? I wonder which one I, I might fall under. So, uh, hold on, let me see. There might be some act of the flesh I might fall under here. I've got to check this real quick. You hold the door for somebody to walk through, and I go, you're welcome. I just walk. <laughs> don't, I mean, they're just, you know. It's like, oh, okay, you're welcome. Yeah. There's an attitude of thankfulness that is a mark of a spirit-filled believer. Look what it says, always, giving thanks always, and here's a toughie, for all things. Yeah. It didn't say in all things here in this, in this verse. It says for all things. There is no way you can do that unless you're walking in the Spirit. Because there are some of the most tremendously terrible things that have gone on on people's lives that they would never say, oh, thank you. Right. Lord, I just want to thank you for that abuse. Thank you. No. 
No. But the world doesn't understand to somebody walking in the Spirit that can be said. Remember what Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. Yeah. Joseph realized it. He realized it. Yeah. See, the difference between the child of God and the world is this. Before Christ, we live by the, the fleshly list, which is really just selfishness. And after Christ, we live by the Spirit, which was a life of thankfulness and selflessness. If you remember George Muller, he had all of the orphanages in, in England. He had at least four orphanages. And I know, if I'm not mistaken, a church of, I thought it was close to 1,200 that he passed. It was a large, he had a, it just boggles my mind all that he had that he did. And uh, we, you know the stories. You've probably read his life. Some of you have. But how many times did he sit down at a dinner table with all of those little orphans around, all just lining the table with not a, not a, Speck, I almost said a stitch, you can't use that about close, without a, without a drop of food on the table. And they'd begin to thank the Lord, thank God for the food and his provisions, right? With nothing sitting there. And you know what happened time after time, the, the doorbell would, somebody would knock at the door and the bread truck had broken down. And can, can you use this? The milk truck had broken down. Can you use this? You know, well, it's just going to go bad. And boy, the Lord provides. But watch this. I wonder how many of us don't see the provisions we need because we don't sit down with an attitude of thankfulness when we don't have what we need, when we're still waiting to get the needs that we need. We don't sit down and say, like Muller did, thank you for your provisions, Lord. Yeah. When there's yet nothing there. Giving thanks. It seems like it's kind of that wall between the old life and living the new life it seems like that wall is thankfulness. Unthankful saints walk after the flesh. Thankful saints walk in the spirit. Yeah. So it kind of seems that thankfulness actually is a byproduct of the indwelling spirit of God. Yeah. Didn't Jesus himself say, I thank thee, Father, that thou hearest me, and I, I know that you hear me. Right? When he began his prayer, he said he was thankful. God has to be thankful. Right? Well, he was. It's an attitude. It's, a, it's an attitude of, of the Spirit of God. It's an attitude of the Lord. Yeah. So it seems that thankfulness is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of the indwelling Spirit. And here's the deal. If we have found ourselves complaining and whining and always asking for more, the problem isn't what we don't have. The problem is always that we're just not thankful for what we do have, right? Which means what? You or I, we have a spiritual problem. It's not a financial problem. It's, it's not a family problem. It's not a, it is a spiritual problem, and it begins in us. Can I tell you this tonight? I was thinking about this earlier. A lost person, lost people can be thankful. Absolutely. But can I tell you, a lost person should never live a more thankful life than a redeemed child of God. Yeah. So let me ask you this tonight, this afternoon. I don't know what time it is. I'm all messed up. Are you thankful for God's goodness? Amen? Yeah. Okay. We'll try this as an exercise. Are you thankful for God's mercy and grace? 
Amen. Amen. What about his provisions? Amen. 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 Uh, here, here's an easy one for you. Are you thankful for God's love? Amen. Amen. Are you thankful for God's financial setbacks? <laughs> I know it was a trick, but I want you to think. Are you thankful for that person who is a thorn in your side? Remember what the Apostle Paul said when God said, he prayed three times, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Paul said what? Well, then more gladly will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. You know what Paul said? Good. If this is how I get the power of Christ to rest on me, I will take the thorn in my flesh. He was thankful. He was thankful. Are you thankful for that prayer that was answered the opposite of what you thought it should be? Just recently I've talked to so many people of little things in life that they've said, uh, they looked back and said, I really thought this, but it didn't happen. And then now down the road, I'm like, boy, that was of the Lord that that didn't happen. Yeah. Hey, watch, the, te- the real test is when he hasn't shown you the end of the story yet. The real test is when you're sitting there bewildered, wondering why God hasn't done it yet. You say, thank you. Thank you. What is that, what is that showing? that is showing you're trusting him for the future. Right? Because you don't know what's going on next, but you're saying, what are you saying? Thank you. Thank you for what? I don't know. For whatever you're going to do. Whatever you are doing. Whatever you have done. Whatever. Thank you. I trust you. I trust you. So it's really simple, actually. If if you're struggling with being thankful for some area of your life, you're just not walking in the Spirit. So what's the remedy for this? The remedy really is rather simple. Just as love is a choice, just as forgiveness is a choice, just as obedience is a choice, hey, thankfulness is a choice. Right? You can just choose to be thankful. You can just say, you know what? I'm done with this. Lord, thank you. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't even like it. Thank you. I trust you. You know what you'll find out you're doing? You're walking in the Spirit. That is walking in the Spirit. Let's do this. Let's not walk in the flesh. Let's not walk in the We battle enough, don't we? We don't have to add, add to it, okay? We, we have enough. Let's live a life of thankfulness and gratitude and thankfulness towards the Lord. Think about that this week, would you? May God help us to walk in the Spirit and be people, to be people of a, of a thankful heart. I'll tell you what, you get a thankful heart, right? The songs will start flowing again too. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Right? Boy, if I could remember the rest of the song, I'd sing it to you, but I don't remember it. Yeah, thy great salvation so rich. No, stop, I don't want to have to sing it. Oh, wait, yes, I do. No. Father, thank you tonight. Your word is always amazing to me. I know that's an understatement, but we're so finite. I'm always amazed, Father, by the profound simplicity of your word. And Father, here's the reality of it is we need to walk in the Spirit. That is your 
purpose and plan for our life. And Lord, you deserve it. Us walking in the Spirit, Lord, you deserve that for all that you've done for us. And Lord, would you help us tonight to be aware of that and then specifically, Lord, in the area of gratitude and thankfulness that we would be thankful always and for all things. So Lord, we thank you tonight. We ask you to be glorified in the invitation. We pray, Lord, as your spirit works in our hearts that we would come to you tonight with just thankful hearts and spend some time with you at this invitation. Just maybe some time thanking you for all that you've done. We'll ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. The instrument's going to play. The invitation is open. The altars are easy to get to. be a great time just to get away with the Lord and say thank you. Thank you. Do you have anything to be thankful for tonight? We have a lot, don't we? Closed in a word of prayer tonight. And uh, Brother Martin, good to see you. Would you close us in a word of prayer?